Hey everybody, welcome to Grounded Truth, a podcast where we gather some of the world's most influential data scientists, machine learning practitioners, and innovation leaders for conversations on the most relevant topics in AI today. I'm your host, John Singleton, co-founder and head of success at Watchful, the world's most efficient way to explore and label unstructured text for your data analytics and machine learning workflows. Try Watchful for free today at www.watchful.io. Joining me today is my co-founder, Cheyenne Mahanti, CEO Hello. of Watchful. Good to see you, see you, Shine. As always, great to be here. So today we're going to dive into uh, the, and this I cannot believe that we're having this conversation, quite frankly, uh, on a professional and personal context, but we're going to talk today about South, one of South Park's most recent episodes, Deep Learning. Uh, I've never sat there and watched something with so much kind of a, a context and living in, I feel, a... Uh, a shift in society and watching South Park, the absolute pinnacle, or maybe like a, of societal awareness on a topic, um, talk about chat GPT and the impact of, you know, the releasing of an interface for large language models to general society. And I feel, uh, I think as we've talked about before, chat GPT, I think it was built for my mom. Uh, and I think, uh, South Park creating an episode around this, you know, the usage of ChatGPT shows that to uh, uh, to like the nth degree, and so uh, for context, for those who don't know what South Park is, um, I think you may be living under a rock or just are new to America. Uh, South Park is a wildly popular television show, uh, an animated adult animation show uh, that's currently on its twenty sixth or twenty seventh season, uh, and they recently created an episode that was co written by Trey Parker and ChatGPT called Deep Learning. And uh, maybe to start, uh, I know you watched it fairly recently and had some thoughts. Overall takeaways, what was your uh, kind of initial reaction from watching? I mean, uh, I, I think it hit some like tropes dead on, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, so, you know, South Park really, uh, it's got a special place in my heart because I remember watching it when I was still living at home and I was a kid. It was, it was just like, you know, one of those shows that sort of grows up with you. And this is just like a poignant example of like what I feel are two separate worlds in my life colliding. Um, so I thought it was really cool. First of all, that was my first initial take. Then I watched it and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, these are all like various layers of problems that we've all identified in various ways. Uh, but someone who's not in the industry has taken a look at this and was like, oh, yeah, this is a little messed up. Um, and just like, I don't know, just just like even directly, the, the guy who comes in to detect uh, the GPT written text you would expect and, and his trusty be... falcon falcon shadow bane and i should warn right. everybody like spoiler alerts coming like pl go watch stop now and watch the episode if you don't want it yeah really yeah, yeah, yeah don't that. don't listen yeah. to this if you haven't already watched the episode but like this dude shows up and you're prepped for him to show up you you think it's going to be some guy in like a suit with like a bunch of like fancy technology it's this shaman looking guy with a falcon that shows up and, esque yeah yeah and he like goes and He's able to detect the uh, the text through like just like rituals and stuff like that. The Falcon would just peck at it, and I thought that was just so apt uh, because yeah, I mean like 
what tools do we have right now to detect AI written content? There isn't really anything. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought the episode was great. I thought it, it really struck home for me. Um, I do wish it went a little bit deeper, maybe, you know, it, it was like, it felt like commentary uh, on the here and now. And I think South Park has historically done a really good job of like, uh, exploring the absurd of like potential futures you know like if, if you sort of take this idea and drag it out to infinity and i feel like they didn't do that here this felt more like um almost like more of a creative writing exercise with chat gpt rather than an actual commentary on it in like a deep way but that's just my initial uninformed take as a not like south park critic <laughs> So. Yeah, I, I will, I, I will say, I think it did a perfect job of hitting the, like you said, the here and now, and I think that's just more of a reflection of we as society aren't really there at what is the deep takes on, you know, these generative AI technologies, and it kind of hit, you know, I think it hit a few main themes really, really well and very clearly, uh, and you already brought up like AI detection and how our tools right now are you know, maybe like Shadow Bane the Falcon, which to be fair was absolutely excellent. But I also think it was kind of interesting that the thing that they found on Wendy's phone, uh, who's Stan, who had been uh, using ChatGPT to copy and pay, basically continue a conversation with his girlfriend. Uh, and so uh, his girlfriend had all of these text messages that were produced by ChatGPT on the phone. And that's what they found. And I found it interesting and it's the product of GPT and it wasn't necessarily the perpetrator, the one using it wasn't the detection of the app itself uh, or the tool, but rather the outputs. And, uh, you know, in lieu of shadow bane, like one, does it really even matter that these outputs are produced by some, by some sort of AI? Uh, and two, like, when, like, what will our shadow bane kind of look like? Like, will this, fal you know, what will this Falcon end up needing to be? Um, you know, we're not going to hit the pitchforks around like, Hey, did you send, did you use chat GPT to, to proof, you know, to proof check your, uh, text message to me or to proofread your email? Uh, we don't say anything like, Hey, did you use Grammarly to, uh, you know, produce a better sentence when you sent it to me in, in an email? Did you spell check world's first generative mass use case of generative AI? Um, at what point do we like care that a portion of what we're consuming is produced or aided by some generative AI model. So I, if, if I was, um, if I was taking away the right messages from, uh, this episode, I think the message is that we should care. Uh, you know, you're right. No one asks like, do you use Grammarly to, did you use Grammarly to like proof check this email? Because there's a degree of attention that's necessary to even begin using Grammarly. You don't just, you know, close your eyes. You can't like copy and paste something in your sleep and then just like ship it with Grammarly. That it doesn't work that way. So, like, when you're talking about these generative AI technologies, you're talking about something that can take away your necessity for attention to a thing. Exactly. And attention is really all we have. So the fact that you're not paying it somewhere else means you are paying it, you know, it, it, the fact that you're not paying it somewhere means you are paying it somewhere else. And that is a conscious decision. So all that to say, I personally think it does matter. I think we do need tooling to be able to detect, to detect this. 
what that tooling looks like, I'm not sure. Um, existing techniques for detecting AI written content don't seem to work very well. Um, there's like, I don't know, like back when Chad GPT was super hot, like, I guess, not that it's not hot right now, but like December, I think, GPT-0. Yeah, a few months ago. Yeah, GPT-0 was released, and GPT-0 was just a technique to detect essentially like entropy in text. So like, what is, what is the randomness? Uh, I, I think they called it like perplexity and burstiness, uh, which are kind of like two esoteric terms. But long story short, it wasn't particularly good. OpenAI has also like released their own tool for detecting this type of thing. Also not very good. So in my Every opinion- Every other day I see a new re release or announcement of some company or some tool that's being released that claims to be able to detect some degree of like, you know, does this text can, was this text produced by ChatGPT? Yeah, and I, I think the reality is that like LLMs in general are evolving so fast that any detection mechanism that we develop right now is like, if it is patterning off of something, it's largely probably going to be patterning off of some artifact of the model that may go away in a subsequent iteration. So it won't really even have like fundamental staying power. It's not like concrete unless we restrict the outputs of these LLMs so that there is sort of a fingerprint in the things that come out. But then like, then you're just sort of trusting people, you know, and that, that hasn't really worked out in the past. So yeah, and, long story short, I don't know what shadow man is going to look like. <laughs> uh, and I think that brings like, you know, the usage of AI as a tool, right. And using these models, it's like I th the, how much it matters to know, I obviously depends on the use case. Um, I think having an interpersonal relationship with your significant other, which is highlighted in the show and, you know, two separate threads, uh, obviously, as you put, requires probably 100% of your attention or at least a significant amount. You know, it's a, it's, it's a balance. Um, but it's you, it's your authentic self. It's a, it's a level of trust between two individuals that the, your responses are like your authentic output. It, you can't just completely outsource that to some large language model, you know, no matter how great it gets, there's some expectation of trust in that uh, interaction. Uh, as I've been having way too much fun playing on, you know, creating LinkedIn messages with ChatGPT, uh, you know, putting out some social media content or aiding in the production of a blog or helping to outline for some writing, you know, some writing project. Uh, obviously it matters. I, I think it matters much less on my requirement of knowing that this was produced on that kind of line of the requirement of trust and authenticity in my expectation of that output. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I have maybe a differing opinion. It like, I, I agree. Chat GPT is, let, let me, let me scope this out. Like large language models in general are very useful tools, but they can't be crutches. Right. And, I think it's up to us as just like individuals to define where that line is for us. And it's okay if we don't all align on the same sort of like plane. So just as like a concrete example, if I were reading a blog post and it was good content, like it doesn't really matter to me if that was written entirely by a human, 80% by a human, 50% by a human, 
if it's good content and I look at it and I agree that it's good content, I don't really care. Right. Now, if there is a mistake in that content and it wasn't caught and it's propagating something that's like, you know, just incorrect, then kind of by definition, my trust in that outlet has atrophied by quite a lot. Now, I have a very low tolerance personally for just like um, just knowing incorrectness, if that makes sense. You know, things that are debunked and yet are still being propagated. Um, and I, I think I especially have an aversion to that if I were talking to someone one-on-one. -on -one. So I, I know that there's a group of folks out there who will use ChatGPT to just like write their emails for them. And while that sounds good at face value, and I agree it would probably work for most emails that I send or receive, there are a fair number of emails that I think I actually need to spend a little bit of time to think through and respond thoughtfully. Now, if the tables return and someone gave me an output, like some email, and there was essentially like a, hallucin like a, a hallucination in it, and it was just like straight up wrong. It was saying some gibberish. It just like was not correct. And this person sent it to me as an email, just to one person. Honestly, like my opinion would kind of change about that person. It's a complex, largely emotional thing for me. But it's like, A, you didn't give me you didn't care. respect. Yeah. yeah. You didn't like give me literally there. the time to just read something that you didn't even write just to kind of check to see if it was even like at face value, understandable. Yeah, exactly. You didn't really read it afterwards. You didn't like, you didn't spend the time, right? You didn't use it as a tool. You used it as a crutch. And then you made a mistake. And then who do I blame that mistake on? Do I blame the mistake on the model? I mean, yeah, sure, the model got it wrong. But really, it's not the model's responsibility to maintain this relationship. It's on you, this hypothetical person. So in that world, like, to tell you the truth, I would write that person off. Like, there's certain things where I just expect a degree of respect, you know? Or I, I expect some degree of just, like, human interaction. Not because it's better than what the model output necessarily, but because it is mostly just, like, your energy should be directed towards a thing you're focused on. If you're not focused on me, you're focused elsewhere, that kind of sucks sometimes. So, yeah. I guess it all gets to a point of like where, like, what if the, what if those outputs get good enough, right? You can logically just take it out to, you know, whatever iteration of large language models or foundation models that, you know, can even get trained on very small data sets or your particular writing style or knowledge base emails, whatever it might be. Um, I think it's, you know, going but kind of getting back to detection that level of attention I, I mean i think you said it clearly there are a class a large subset of emails in which you know an ai aided tool with a minimal amount of attention really needs to be there it's like hey schedule this something that could be theoretically fully automated just send out my calendly link or whatever it is whatever tool you use go book something you know even have an interaction with an in, with the individual to try to work out times or you know reschedule 
obviously don't require a ton of attention. And if there's some mistakes, uh, you know, you've you've seen the 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 email signatures from AI. It's like, oh, this was written by AI. Kindly, you know, kindly uh, hit for apologies for any mistakes. I think as long yeah. as it's communicated, going back to like what requires detection. And so when I, you know, maybe getting to when things require detection or, you know, communication that some, this was produced all or some in part by one of these models is I, I really think the core to me comes to uh, trust and authenticity uh, getting, you know, getting to the episode where it's, it's, you know, these interpersonal relationships. It's not about just any content. It's the con it's knowing that this is the person that I, I don't know how, you know, these perpetual, what are they third graders? they're in love or whatever, whatever the close proxy, uh, that, you know, it's described in the show or in the, in the adult relationship, you know, a committed, you know, spousal, uh, spousal relationship. Uh, I need to know that this was like, this was you and this was not, you know, it automated. There was no attention and it was like not 100% just produced by, you know, some output of some model. Um, and or like I need to see the direction in a very clear way because I have an expectation like in the in the show. Tell me about that time, you know, that when you were six, you know, on that boat in Switzerland. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> what are you taught? Like that we I can't have this, you know, that's what are the relationships built on. It's these stories, these, you know, the things we share and these, these uh, secrets or whatever you want to call them. These uh, details that make us human and aren't just some random output. Uh, that's where I see the kind of need to develop these solutions to then detect whether or not this is one done in some automated way or two produced 100% or, you know, I think the percentage is kind of uh, on the, uh, is kind of a slope of, or a, a gradient maybe of that requirement of authenticity things. Are, if I'm signing a mortgage or something like that, or, or producing response, producing a response, um, to some legal letter or whatever it might be. Uh, we yeah, have, I, like, I, I, I feel like the episode broke it down reasonably well in that like Mr. Mackey, for instance, was not pissed at Stan that he was using ChatGPT for his schoolwork in the same way that Mr. Mackey was using ChatGPT to grade papers, right? Like there's a sort of like mutual understanding there that there's this like highly transactional thing that is happening that kind of both parties are almost like forced into and there isn't an expectation of an authentic relationship there i mean i guess one could argue that there is but I, I you know maybe this is explaining the joke but maybe that's part of the absurdity is like these are both things that probably should be really cared about about you know the high attention tasks so to speak totally exactly but but then like here the thing he was pissed about was that his partner was uh, using ChatGPT to text him, right? So like there's this expectation that of all of the things yeah. that could use, the, you know, that person's attention, the relationship has to be one of them. So like, yeah, I mean, I kind of fall along that same line. If Pandora's box is already open, fine. You know, like let's use GPT for the things that are highly transactional in nature that you know, while they could benefit from having some attention, the step up in that isn't as great. And, you know, just being able to pump more content out there might be okay for the short term, who knows, question mark. But for relationships and just like personal connections and things like that, 
by masking your by, by masquerading as if GPT is you, you know, or vice versa, it, it's it's inauthentic. You know, it, it it's it's sort of crass in a lot of ways, and that can be expensive for people's personal relationships. Uh, so yeah, like more more concretely, not a big fan of these like GPT email type things. I think it's useful for certain tasks, highly transactional tasks. Um, I think it's probably good in general at writing and summarizing emails, but then like, I don't know, people on Twitter have also pointed out this like very obvious thing where like people will feed in bullet points to GPT, get an email body, copy and paste that in the email. Someone then copies that out of the email, puts it back in a GPT for a bullet point summary. Like just send the yeah. bullet points. You know, like have an authentic relationship for once. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's which th that opens up a whole nother thing of, uh, you know, just models being trained on model outputs or in just constantly refeeding this uh, weird Ouroboros of uh, generated data. But um, yeah, it. I think where it's going like what's going to drive it is where quote unquote attention is required market solutions will be developed for you know media i think is kind of an obvious use case we already see some verification on like with twitter you know the blue check mark was kind of the first big thing of like this was indeed you know insert media personality here that's producing some you, okay you're, you're you're talking about the original blue check mark not the twitter a, blue a, apologies yeah og, OG yeah. blue check mark okay I, got it sorry because yeah, that's no longer a, the case yeah but og blue check mark uh yeah but at least that that was this concept where we have a review team and this is indeed validated individual like this is the account therefore the you know this represents this person whether or not there was a human the original gpt the uh, team of humans uh, and marketing team uh, behind these people producing those those messages and uh, cleverly marketing their projects, but regardless, it's still like some one layer of this isn't this is what this per person represents. They've at least authorized what's being said there. Uh, you know, going that extra layer of you know, did they have anything to do with you know the way that the content they're putting out is produced, and particularly those like writers um, and media personalities as generative AI, AI and video production. Uh, we've already seen it with deep fakes. Uh, it's going to become more and more important, like where I require that authenticity as a consumer, whether for news or entertainment. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I, I think, in my opinion, it's not about identity. Like, I don't necessarily care about who wrote a thing. In fact, I would argue that it's important that we preserve the concept of anonymity on the internet generally. And this is obviously like veering away from the South Park episode overall, but just as a, as a general concept, I think like I care more about preserving anonymity while still being able to verify to what degree, you know, uh, some content has been written or co-written or ghostwritten by AI. Uh, so instead of taking an identity first approach, I would take a content first approach, but naturally that either requires major breakthroughs. Honestly, I think like the, the correct solution is it requires major breakthroughs in the way that we detect and differentiate between AI written content and non AI written content. Um, 
And like my, my strong suspicion is that it's going to be cohort analysis. Like we have a fair amount of data that we can say pretty confidently was not written by LOMs, you know, just by nature of when they were published. And then we have a trove of data that we think may have been written by LLMs. And then we have some trove of data that we know for a fact was written by LLMs. So I suspect that we could probably find some commonalities in like tonal structure and sort of cadence and several other things that could be looked at. But I think that's just going to be a, a function of looking at enough data, you know? And I, so I, I, I believe that, change, that tool- Change over time. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Like Change over the, time. How humans are producing data and the way that we're actually communicating with each other, you know, verbal, like with words. Uh, yeah, probably change changes more frequently than these LLMs are getting retrained. That's probably true. So, yeah, like I, I think a tool like that needs to exist. Who's going to build it? I've got no idea. Um, I'm, I'm just hoping that it comes soon. But yeah, I, I don't want to live in a world where that sounded way more dramatic than it needed to be. I don't want to see a world where like there is this push to completely and utterly identify and expose yourself online in order to like figure out if you wrote some content or not. I think that's like overkill. Uh, and in fact is kind of losing the plot. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess there's, there's different applications of both. There are those that like it, anonymity should be 100% preserved and yet the con like it is focused on content there. I think there's both sides. There's, or there's uh there's applications for both. Um, so one of the things that I think is, was most interesting, uh, was, you know, going back to how much of the script was actually co-written. It was co-written by chat GPT. You know, the credits are Trey Parker and chat GPT. Uh, how much of it actually produced and what the prompt was, I'm very interested on. Was it really just provide the story? Somehow I doubt that. Uh, but I really like that point where, like, it, talk about an application where I don't particularly care if this model produced the script as long as it was entertaining and fit within the context of the story. And obviously the creator's hands were all over it. Uh, but looking at like AI as a tool, one of the things they brought up and kind of the key thing they realized with Mr. Mac, he was like, okay, fine. You know, whatever you guys are using this, everything's great. Uh, this recognition of one potential competitive advantage when there really is none, when this Pandora's box, as you stated, is completely open. Everybody has access to this. Anybody, Trey Parker can use it to help write this, you know, the ending of the script. Uh, I can use it to create some fun, you know, blog posts or marketing emails or sales emails or proofread a blog, uh, you know, something I've written. Um, or these children, which, you know, it's a whole nother layer of conversation, education in America, which may be worth even like diving into is this idea of like, you know, the tasks that we are valued as humans you know, in this world where everybody can just pick up this tool and, you know, produce something that, you know, uh, open AI always likes to post test scores, right. You know, in, in whatever layer of scrutiny you want to put onto that, but you know, they show that here are tests that humans take that get graded on, you know, on some level of intelligence or knowledge at a, you know, maybe I'll, I should say specifically, um, how do like, how do humans interactions with data and the things that we are 
valued on executing or producing that data? How is that going to change? And I can look at Google as being the most direct thing in you know my lifetime. This idea of you know have there's no longer the really the skill of knowing the Dewey Decimal System to the same degree and going into a library, getting a lot of books, spending hours of time researching and collating. We now have Google that can you know it's it's a uh, this idea of I just need to know a few keywords and now I can retreat. It doesn't really matter the specifics. I'm not required in a room to argue down to like know all of these bullet points down to a very finite detail. I just need to know how to find it and to validate something very quickly. Now with ChatGPT, I can just throw in a very similar manner a few, not not necessarily keywords, but a, a few sentences. You know, add a few uh, layers of complexity there, a uh, paragraph, whatever it might be, in a prompt, uh, and I can now produce something or theoretically retrieve knowledge, whatever you know. It, whatever you want to dream kind of the outputs of uh, GPT really are or can be. Um, that's a huge shift. And how do we deal with that? Like, what do we value now? Like, is it important that a child is writing essays? I think yes, obviously. Um, but is it as important as the quality of the questions that they're asking or the tools that they're using or the basis of the knowledge um, that I'm really fascinated by? Yeah. Um, I, I agree overall. Um, sorry, I'm just like collecting lots of different thoughts. So, um, yeah, cause you mentioned the, the uh, you mentioned the other day in a conversation about like the exo brain and this idea of how like we use notion and these tools that, uh, are like our own, like many little databases of knowledge that is important to us that we can build or collate or, you know, uh, 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 collect from various sources, whatever you want to put it or, you know, describe these things. Uh, and then it's not really important that I m remember, you know, your, I don't know your phone number. I talk to you every, every day. I have no, yeah. Yeah, I could put gun to my head. Don't have my phone. I have no idea how to, what your phone number is. It's just not an important thing to me rem to remember. I just need to know shine Mahanti and I can pull it up. Same thing in my notion. I don't need to know it. If I need a internal, you know, uh, wiki doc, you know, for a process. I pull in a few keywords and I go find that. Uh, that concept of like this, this you have this pool of knowledge that you can you can pull on. Um, the quality of those questions that come out are, are even more important. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, I I don't know. It, it, I just think it's a it's a fundamental shift in the way that we access information or can call on or produce information. I should really say. Um, I, I maybe have like a different take on it, which is like, I obviously I, I appreciate the concept of exobrains, right? Um, I, I used to be a long time org mode user. So I understand the power of exobrains, but I understand that that power is derived from the fact that I was the one who like connected all of that gray matter. Right, yeah. I was the one who went in and I, I created all those records and I know how they're all stored. I might not be able to recall off the top of my head a particular record, but I know the path I have to take in order to retrieve it. And I know deterministically all the various paths I could go through in order to retrieve that specific slice of data. In the case of an LLM where I have no control of the pre-training process, I don't know what it knows. The best I can hope for is I ask the same prompt twice and I get the same output twice. That's not even a guarantee. Yeah. 
which is a whole nother set of problems, you know, of, you know, model versioning on the back end of these LLMs. Like how, if I'm building a process, how can I guarantee that this is going to be determined? Like, you know, just trying to play, play within a deterministic manner ourselves for labeling purposes, you know, you cannot guarantee that it's going to even provide the same output, you know, given, you know, a thousand calls. Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't really have the same opinion about GPT in, or LLMs in general as another form of exabrain. It feels like something else, you know, like it feels almost like in a way you are tapping into someone else's exabrain, right? And you're trying to figure out how to traverse the various connections that they've already made. And while you're doing that, they're changing the exabrain in yeah. various small ways, right? So like, it's not your exabrain, it's someone else's exabrain. And I think in that world, like to your earlier point about like, it's about questions that you ask. I, I, I believe firmly that that is the case. I think all of this just leads to higher order thinking, which is not a bad thing. You know, like um, an example is somehow in education, teachers are going to have to level up what used to be essay prompts, which can now just be copied and pasted into chat GPT to get an output. And they're now going to have to force their like students to come up with these prompts themselves. So what do you prompt a student in order to get them to create prompts? How do you verify that those prompts are in fact correct? How do you verify that they're on the right track? How do you know they ask the right questions? I think that's a very interesting line of thinking. And I think everything's going to have to move that direction. We're all going to have to level up. That's an interesting world. I don't know what it looks like, but it's interesting for sure. Yeah. It's a, it, if there's one thing I've learned over the past six or seven months, uh, you know, despite it, just the, the pace of change and this recognition, kind of the thing that, uh, you know, kind of maybe as a final point on the episode, because uh, I think you kind of hit a, a couple key things here is Stan's final monologue. Um, I'll quote out a little bit of it. Uh, Open AI is so powerful that it has to be something that everyone can use, control, and contribute to, or else AI will be controlled by corporations who just want an unfair advantage like Cartman does. Uh, we can't leave it up to these companies to decide, and something that you know you touched on at, at the beginning of this episode, it is up to us to determine the ethical implications and the use of all of these tools. Uh, Pandora's box is out. And it's going to be up to us to figure out what does that world look like. And a lot of it's going to have to be driven by, you know, public opinion and a recognition, which I think thankfully, you know, and I maybe unexpectedly that South Park does such a great job of uh, describing that, uh, you know, I think to the average person um, or providing at least an entertaining way to describe these concepts and these problems uh, that are presented here where people just fundamentally do not understand. And we are about to enter a world that just, is f is already starting to look different than yesterday um just literally six seven months ago and uh how we consume and integrate these technologies into our daily lives uh i see and unfortunately or you know i'm not sure that pure capitalistic you know intentions and monetization is going to necessarily get us to the correct answer 
um, probably some regulatory, you know, wake up or realization, fingers crossed that we start moving in that direction, um, at least starting the conversation at a high level. But uh, the state of American politics, at least, is uh, maybe a, a topic for a whole nother series of podcasts, but uh, not, and not to talk on that there. But um, looking at like, I think my biggest takeaway is that this is out there. It's incredible. It's super powerful. Everybody's going to use it. If you don't use it, you will be, you know, behind. Someone will be quote unquote asking better questions than you perchance in the future. Um, and taking advantage of these technologies, a lot of jobs are going to change in how we, you know, what they do and how they interact with data and how they produce it. And uh, I hope in two, three, four years time, we get to look back at this episode as you know, maybe like uh, some crystallized moment, a place in time where society's woken up to the implications and power of these technologies. And uh, we've either at least kicked the or moved the conversation to a productive direction, um, you know, or we're all bowing down to Skynet somewhere in between. I'm not quite sure, but uh, I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're living in interesting times. Uh... I guess the last thing I'll say is uh, I, I don't have confidence in regulatory like speed for this. So what I do have confidence in is the ingenuity of individuals. I think someone will inevitably come up with a tool or a set of tools that will help us identify things that are AI written, things that are not with some degree of clarity. And it's going to be us. It's going to be up to us as individuals to kind of draw our own lines in the sand for now. And over time, we'll see that society will probably converge in several different pockets. And we'll see where things go from there. And hopefully uh, Sam Altman isn't Cartman. Hopefully. <laughs> Finger, fingers crossed for the, for the world. That's right. Well, great. Uh, that was super fun. Uh, I, again, I can't really believe that we got to have a, uh, we'll call it a semi-professional conversation about South Park. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I can't stop thinking about, you know, like you said, watching South Park as a kid, uh, secretly, by the way, was not necessarily always allowed to watch South Park as a young child. Oh, yeah. Um, I also think it's just quite ironic looking, you know, looking back as how quote unquote stupid that was and how it, and I quote my parents rot my brain. Uh, looking back at that today and just realizing the level of the high level of commentary uh, on, you know, and just being on the pulse of what's going on in the cultural zeitgeist, I think it's just, uh, it's pretty surreal. But, uh, well, great. Thanks so much, Cheyenne. I really appreciate it. Again, everybody listening, thanks so much for joining us on the Grounded Truth podcast. Again, my name is John Singleton, co-founder and head of success at Watchful, joined today by Cheyenne Mahanti, my co-founder and Watchful CEO. Uh, again, you can try Watchful for free at www.watchful.io. We just recently released our community edition. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to, to talk to you about it and collaborate. So thanks so much and have a great day.